brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One, the Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One, with your host, Chris Welch. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh and at InThisLeague.com. And that is where you can go and sign up and be a part of the ITL Army, which, most probably importantly to you, gets you the top 500 prospect list for fantasy that I make. I've also got my Dynasty list, the P1ADP Top 200 Prospect ADP. It's a really good value chart. And all of that is at our Sergeant level, which is like five bucks a month. You can also go a little bit further if you want. Check out the Group Me Rooms where you can get in the Prospect One Group Me Room. We've got other stuff in there, cards and all that, the people talking prospects. I update the Prospect and Dynasty every month so you guys can get a part of that. Plus, you can just see cool video, talk prospects with people, and a whole bunch more. And know that you are supporting Prospect One and me when you do it, so I appreciate it anybody that considers and does it but welcome in my friends today on the episode eric cross is going to be joining me eric cross now over at ftn but of course the tool shed which many of you probably listen to eric is going to be joining me and we're going to be talking about a host of prospects that is the general sense of most of these end season episodes when we go is just kind of getting back into the flow we've got you know good sample size of games decent you know nothing crazy but Pitchers somewhere from maybe two to four starts, depending if they're AAA or not. Um, hitters, you're starting to get the sample size of at-bats. Some are still plenty low, but 30, 40, so you're starting to see you know a few things that are starting to stand out. Obviously, like hard-hit numbers are still like crazy, absurd high. Uh, they haven't leveled out yet. Batting average is kind of doing the same thing. And we're going to be talking about a host of different players that kind of speak to that. Dominic Keegan, Junior Caminaro. We're going to talk about Brandon Fott, Ricky Tiedemann, and more. Uh, some of the big performers and all of that and as far as values go. But, you know, going through the minor leagues right now, there's still some, like, absurd stats in these small sample sizes. When you start getting around, like, 100 at-bats, that's going to feel a lot better. You're going to feel like you know a decent amount more. You know, most of the double-A-ish, even triple-A guys sitting around like 30, 40 at bats. And it's like, okay, well, hitting the 400. Some guys that need to be leveled out, like Dominic Keegan, we're going to talk about, he's got to get the hell out of a ball. Like it's ridiculous. He's got to move up. We got to push him another level. Uh, Andrew Abbott, someone we're going to talk about. This is another one of those guys, like get them back to, I don't know, you can call it a more competitive level, but you know, they're dominating the places that they're at. So let's get a little bit of a challenge. And sometimes you can tell early on. Hell, Look at Mason Miller. You know, Mason Miller is just, he's a unicorn 
in my eyes. You know, I'm amazed at how many people were just like, oh, yeah, Mason Miller, you know, slap hands, slap hands, pat our backs. You know, we're all right. Like, how often do we see a guy on a, a horrid team, by the way, just pitch like 30 innings? 30 in- he hit the injury issues. Yes, he went to the AFL, but he just barely pitched and they just shoved. You know, he shoved and they shoved. And it was like one double A start or two, I don't remember. Then one triple A start. And then it's like, here you go. You're at the majors. And it was great, by the way. He, ridiculous stuff plus metrics, big, high velocity fastballs, which he's got really good spin too. Those generate like big stuff plus numbers. So it, it's kind of creating the the allure of him or, or you know creating the the myth of Mason Miller because you know, he's going to be at the top with insane names like Shohei Otani and stuff because he's got an insane fastball but my whole point all of that is about like holy crap you know that sample size of what we saw got got him there you know and we pushed up so i guess part of my point is like you can see a guy for 5 6 7 games and you can sometimes tell like, oh, he doesn't belong here. Like he doesn't belong at this level. We should probably get him out of here and challenge him. There's a couple of those guys here uh, that we're going to talk about. And I think it's just a couple guys in general in the minors. You can tell like, oh, they just probably don't belong at this level. They need to get pushed. Like I said, Dominic Keegan is like maybe at the tippy top for me. You know, 22 year old at a ball who's hitting 500 now. I think when we recorded this, it was four or something. I think he hit his second homer. Now that I'm looking at his stats here, yeah, he's got his second homer in here. Like, let's just get out of there. I don't know what we're proving. I don't know what... It's cool. He's succeeding and da-da-da. Sometimes there's positional stuff as far as the minor leagues go. Like, they're set at high A, so they got to do this. The same thing happens with, like, rookie ball sometimes. Sometimes the rookie ball teams will be just spattered with guys because they just don't quite have the room or the playing time yet at uh, other spots. It's almost like, you know, sometimes at the majors, it's like, oh, we don't have the you know playing time, so keep him down in AAA or something. The same thing kind of pushes through the systems. Keegan, I don't get. I don't get. But there's, you know, there's plenty of others, and these big performances, we want to be able to quantify it as best as we you know possibly can. And it's just better when it's like age to level a tiny bit more appropriate. I think even if he was like first full season, 22 at like high A, that feels a little bit better. You kind of want to get to double A, but still, you're you're okay with that. But regardless of the point, big performances, Eric and I are going to kind of talk through. We got some player debate stuff installed in some of these by ourselves where the ranks are, and there's plenty of player conversation around some of the short season stuff here. One thing I think I might also do, I think it'd be fun when we have these guest episodes, is have just a couple listener questions uh, attached to it when I get, you know, these awesome people on, like um, Eric and Jeff and James and all those people. I'd like to answer a few questions from you guys that you might have for both of us. So that will also be a part of the Patreon. I'll probably be doing forward, moving forward. I'll just drop a little uh, post on the Patreon and I will just take a few of the questions. Probably not all of them, especially if there's a bunch. But I would take a few of them and uh, stack them on the back end of an episode where we're talking about, you know, some of these big hot name players and maybe looking for more of what you hopefully we're covering the guys that you guys want to hear. There's always like a there's a balance between having the big prospect conversations that are in the world and then the people that only want to hear about the guys no one's ever heard of, which I, I love to spatter those in. I love to talk about those, but I know that there is a thirst for that specifically because there's also a very much like people want to be the first and be like oh you didn't know about this player because x knew about this player like i know that's like a big thing 
So we'll definitely try to do that and that might be solved by some of the questions. But those are just a few of my thoughts that are ruminating out there. I uh, do want to give you guys a little announcement. This will be fun. I will be having a regular-ish, it seems like, at least once a month, article over on The Athletic uh, based around prospects. Kind of like, a you know, who's hot, players to look at, da-da-da thing. I don't know how often we'll do the updates as far as like the dynasty ranks, but you guys also can get those at Patreon every single month. But I will be doing a monthly article on the athletic, which you guys can look at. And there'll be some like different ones as well. I actually have one I'm working on that's coming out next week. That is going to be around uh, Drew Jones, the interview I did, the time I spent and Bowman tops fanatics uh, Bowman release that's coming out. And it'll be around like guys to target and I'm intertwining it with some of my conversation with Drew Jones. So that's going to be on The Athletic probably next week. And then the week after that will be my first prospect article and that. And then, like I said, just once a month, you can kind of look out for that as well. Uh, if you guys are looking for any extra stuff, and I'll be, and that'll be all of my thoughts, hopefully coherently written down with lots of stats and stuff like that. Just, you know, kind of like the hot sheet stuff that everybody, you know, Baseball America has got those. It's talking about the prospects that we're into and uh, ones that people might need to be looking at. So that is, I won't be doing it like the hot sheet, which is like a weekly look at the biggest performers. It'll be more based around like some of the biggest fantasy prospect risers and fallers and stuff like that. So y'all can be on the lookout for that if you are a subscriber of The Athletic. So let's get into the show. Shall we? It's Eric Cross. Uh, he's a great buddy of mine. Does lots of stuff. He hustles. He's over at FTN now. Uh, I believe he does stuff with Fantasy Pros as well. Obviously, the Tool Shed, a podcast that most of you listen to. And we're going to go through the motions. you got about an hour with Eric and I talking through lots of prospect stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It is Eric Cross and myself getting you set into the first real prospect breakdown of the 2023 season. So let's go. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I like you so much, I'm gonna make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold, and I'll share it with you 50-50. Prospect One. Hey, joining me now, there he is, it's Eric Cross. 
you know where you can find him. You follow him. You already follow him, Aircross04, the Twitter handle. You can follow him over at FTN and, of course, the tool shed. Mr. Aircross, what is up, my friend? I very much like the room that you're sitting in. I know. As uh, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm house-sitting for my mom's friend who has two boys. I'm in the oldest uh, son's room right now because this was the only room in the house that has an actual desk I can sit at without being in a big, wide-open room. And, yeah, there's flashing Christmas lights in the room, and it's a, <laughs> it's a very festive room. There's a lot of colors in here. There's soccer stuff on the wall and, you know, t- floating tacos. I'm not even lying. Uh, oh. There's a lot of... There's a lot of uh, there's a New England Revolution soccer banner right above my head. It's a uh, it's a lot of stuff in this room. As kids would say, it's raining tacos. Have you ever heard that? It's raining tacos. I have not heard that. Is that a Southwest like thing? No, 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 no. It's like uh, <laughs> like kids playing like their dumb games and stuff like that. Just one of those songs. I'm surprised we have like similar age kids, I think. So I I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm sure I'll hear it soon enough. Yeah, well, you know what's that enough is some of the guys we're going to talk about, they might be familiar with some of the those same things. They might know Probably. that song. We're talking <laughs> prospects. We're talking uh, a bunch of the big performers. That's why Eric is here to join me today. We are talking essentially five. There's a little sneak in of a, of a sixth hitter and uh, five pitchers. That's kind of how I want to do it whenever we have guests on. Of course, we can go in any other direction. And it's really just about talking about big performances because now... You know, it's not like a perfect sample size or anything, but it's like we really are starting to get going. Like double A and single A guys can start cracking some of the stats that triple A guys have had an advantage on. We're getting a little bit better sample sizes. We're getting anywhere between two and, you know, maybe four starts on some of the starting pitchers. So we're just getting a good handle on stuff. And it is obviously going to cause a lot of adjustments for all of us. And there are players that are getting a big focus. So, Eric, the number one I want to talk to you about is probably the biggest, most important. Now, you got to be careful about how you talk about this guy because you might get (laughs) yelled at about who's been in on them first or whatnot. But regardless of the point, Junior Caminero, Junior Caminero, who has been highlighted uh, in different aspects, really, and and to his credit, of course, Jeff Ponce, uh, who's brought him up in multiple times. We talked about him months and months ago in the P180P drafts. And when he's been on with me, this has been someone that Jeff has been pounding the table for and, you know, good on him. And no surprise why, you know, this smart guy is over at Baseball America doing great stuff because this is a great call. Junior Caminero, obviously a fantastic year last year uh, between two levels, 11 homers between complex and a ball, double digit stolen bases, strikeout rate was low. Batting average was nice. And guess what? He's back at it again this year, already four homers hitting 500 And some of the crazy stuff in here, second best slug in all of MILB at 882 as we're recording this. He's got the best OPS in MILB at uh, over 1,400. And like I said, only 50% K rate to 10% walk rate. Junior Caminero is the hotness. I've already made some of my adjustments in my own personal ranks for next month. But I want to get your take on what we've seen out of Caminero in this early onset because he is hitting the ball crazy hard with crazy success. And as you said before we started up, man, he's kind of the talk of the town right now, regardless of the whole, like, is he a breakout or not? He is the guy to talk about right now. Oh, he absolutely is. I can't go more than 10 minutes on Twitter without seeing another junior, uh, junior Cameronero post or a highlight or, or someone talking about him rising up rankings. But it's all true, man. Like every time I go to update my rankings, I feel like you know, every month it's like, all right, you know, another 20 spots up, another 25 spots up uh, to the point now where like, why, you know, what's the case for him not to be like a top 25 prospect or at least pretty damn close to it? I think I have him around 30. 
right now. And again, that's, that's already up from my last update about a week and a half ago because, yeah, as you mentioned, he's just been crushing the ball. And it's, like, he always has like the lowest average he's ever had at any level was 295. And that was in the, in the DSL back in 2021, over 43 games. Like the dude just crushes 322 career hitter, 24 home runs, you know, in 114 games, like potential, you know, plus hit, plus power, good approach, you know, a little bit of speed sprinkled in as well. Uh, you know, dominated out in the uh, Australian league as well. Every hip Bay prospect goes out there um, these days, but yeah, man, like it's, I don't know why, you know, he's top 25. Like I said, the bat is elite. Like this it could be top 10 by the end of the year, man. I, I, I could see that. Do you think he could get up there? Welsh? Yeah, I do. I mean, I I made a everybody know you know how I am. Like I'm a little bit less like it's 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 a bigger push for me to like make aggressive aggressive moves because there's also I think there's a, a huge element and I think it's more fascinating with the guy. I'm we're going to do a little player debate with him. I actually think it's more fascinating to do Junior Caminero versus players not of like his similar ilk, but of guys that are like closer to the major because I think there's a lot of guys in here. Like I look at let me just throw one random one at you. Just came to my head. Oscar Colas. How about Oscar Colas, who started off kind of hot, tapered down a little bit. We know what he's about. He's at the majors right now, still qualifying. Like ranking a Caminero over a Colas, maybe two weeks ago would have been harder. I mean, do, can you rank Caminero over Colas right now? Or do you think like seeing what Colas is, regardless of proximity and him being there, but you kind of know what you're getting at. The prospect fatigue sets in and the upside of Caminero just jumps over a guy like Colas. Cause that's what I'm getting at. Like these, these closer to the major guys versus someone that's a little bit further off. Yeah, no, it's tough obviously because Colas has done it at a higher level and obviously he's in the majors right now and we won't see Caminero for, you know, probably, you know, what's best case scenario, maybe late next season, maybe, uh, maybe not mm-hmm. even until 2025. So but at the end, I do believe there's more upside with Cameron Arrows if you if you want to go that route. I think he is. I think power is probably fairly close. Uh, I do think he's a slightly better pure hitter, and he, I think he brings a, a little more speed to the table as well. So yeah, I guess right now they could average, you know, kind of cancel each other out because of the proximity of Colos and the, and the short term impact they'll have that Cameron Arrows cannot provide. But I think if you want to go with the upside play, like I, in my rankings, which do focus a little more on on the long-term outlook for these guys. I do have Cameron Arrow ahead now. Yeah, and I see it, and that's, that's what I'm saying is it's like he's broken the mold to me where he's passed a lot of other young hitters. And, you know, for better or for worse, and however everybody analyzes stuff, I thought Cameron Arrow lived in a similar territory of like the um, Yasser Mercedes, though more a little bit more advanced, uh, Anthony Gutierrez. And clearly he is just way way ahead i mean there's he's way way ahead at this point especially with the success you're not even just like you know being a level ahead but like the success you're seeing it's not even it's not even close so he's jumped a ton of guys but then he's sitting into this area where it's like cameras versus brett Beatty or versus tyler soderstrom versus sal free like i think that's kind of a fascinating space but it kind of comes back to the valuation of proximity versus what is key here is Camino really does have the potential to be like a top 15, top 10 guy in a very short term because he he represents skill sets. That's a big thing because I actually want to take a look at a video here in a second with you, but he represents skill sets that are all key points to top prospects. Counting stats, check with the homers and stolen bases. Walk percentage, check. Low K percentage, check. Consistency, check. All of these things at low levels 
without any big warts. These are all really good, exciting things. And I thought it was interesting going and, you know, just like watching um, some video or, you know, even when you can just get a hold of clips and stuff like that. The pipeline had plenty of videos you can find on Caminero, but his swing is really intriguing to me, Eric. So I'm going to just play it real quick. You guys are probably here, the MILB um, broadcast of it. And this is from uh, just, a, I think, like a week or so ago or whatever. But this is from Pipeline's tweet. Do up. And now Junior Caminero slugs the Ooh. ball deep. Ooh, we got to make sure we put the English on it. Caminero. I like but that. Like, what I really like about this, and I was I was sitting here trying to think, look right here. Who does like look at that stance? Look at that approach. Who does that remind you of? Is there anybody come to mind real quick? Because I have somebody. Ooh, um, I mean, I, it does look familiar. Hold on, yeah, keep going. You know what this reminds me of right here? With oh, there's a much bigger leg kick, not with the leg kick. Wander Franco. There, there's a Wander Franco oh, yeah. to the front end of his approach. There's a bigger leg kick. And what he doesn't do is he doesn't have the wind, windmill, except look at his hands on the back end. His hands do release on the backside, and he brings the bat back behind his head. Is there any shock that there might be some... I'm not trying to say he's Wander Franco. I'm not trying to do any of that. But what my point is, is when I watch this, it's a high leg kick that you might be like, eh, okay, don't love that. But the entirety of all of this, it's a really sound early approach. His vision seems to be key. And I watched a bunch of video. You know what's something that just blows blows me, my mind is he just destroys breaking pitches. And what that tells me, and I wonder about, is Caminero a guy with this plate vision that's so locked in that he's comfortable cheating on uh, fastballs, that he, can, he, he knows how and his bat speed is there to hit fastballs, that he can cheat more on breaking pitches because every clip you see – He's just smacking sliders and curveballs left and right. And he's and that video that we played from Pipeline has got opposite field uh, power. That's what this is. And by the way, I'll just like replay it real quick so we can uh, ruminate on it. Do up. And now Junior Caminero slugs the ball deep right and deep. Well gone. Deep. Which one is this? Which is the one that I'm sharing? It, it doesn't matter which one I'm sharing uh, as far as the... <laughs> The video is that I wanted to look at this. This was okay. No, no. So this was the Dominican Winter League that I'm sharing. So this is a Dominican oh, yep. Winter League. But regardless of the point, you can kind of see the approach and you just get to see like it's an all fields type of a hit tool. And I just thought it was very interesting as I was looking at just like the approach. The only thing that you would pick apart is maybe like a front high leg kick, which plenty of guys are able to maintain and that can get chilled out. And guess what? He's not really being challenged with it. It's not a problem right. because he seems to have really great plate vision and discipline with bat speed. And it's in an organization that there's probably no shocker. There's some similarities. I, I'm just I'm, I'm sure we're all falling in love. It's easier to fall in love. And especially when you have like a further track record. So I just wanted to walk you through like that whole process where you kind of buying a little bit of what I was selling as far as maybe that swing and approach. Oh, absolutely. And, and the leg kick gives me a little, uh, obviously he's tamed it down now, but Bo Bichette vibes with that leg kick. But same time, he gets the front leg down quickly. Mm -hmm. Everything's really in sync. Like he drags the hands through the zone. Like everything's like fluid and sync. Obviously, the hands are exceptionally quick. And uh, yeah, he seems very balanced at the plate too. Like that's what I love to see from a young hitter. Like they're balanced. You know, they like said so they can you know, they can come down quickly and drive it to the other way. So yeah, everything. Yeah, the leg kick. You, maybe you want to see it tamed down a little bit. But at the same time, I don't hate it. I mean, with how quickly he gets that down and how everything's in sync, I don't hate it. But Caminero is just interesting across the board and he's a guy 
that is moving way up ranks and is becoming like a prime target for so many people. So I just I, like, I don't know if there's like a lot of tangible stuff. I wanted to just look at some of the swings with you, see if there's anything else you saw. That was some of the things I've seen as all the different videos I've been watching is just his approach is, is advanced. It's totally advanced and unique to like his level. He's showing a lot of great power early on for, um, you know, I mean, his his size is solid. I mean, it's, it's he's not a big overpowering guy, six foot one, whatever actual weight he's at, anywhere between 160 and 170 at this point. And he's just got all the great measurables and he's had maybe the best start to the season as any prospect. Yeah, he's, he's hitting 500, four home runs already. And yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, obviously he just got to high A to start of the year and it was only at low A Charleston for 27 games last year, but you could see him, I think, up a double A at some point, you know, before, you know, even maybe even before the, the minor league all-star break, even if he keeps hitting like this and obviously hitting for average, getting on base, keeping the K rate in check. Yeah, man, it's it's the sky's the limit with this kid. And I, I definitely think we could see him, you know, top 10 or, or close to it pretty damn quickly. Okay, so let me real quick with him and then we'll end with him is give you the player that we were going to go up against. And it's kind of, uh, it's funny because I feel like this guy was Caminero last year. But he's yep. having some internal struggles, except he's doing the one thing that he does well continuously. He is hitting the ball as hard as anybody. And I'm talking about Emmanuel Rodriguez, who has a 76% hard hit rate strength off of, uh, you'll see that off of the uh, batted ball metrics over on Rotowire, 0% soft hit, but he's only hitting 185 and has a 50% strikeout rate. Big problems exist in there, except... He has a beautiful, I love his swing. Mano Rodriguez can kind of like windmill it around like a Wander Franco. And uh, nobody really hits the ball as hard as he does. He's already got three homers and all of that really poor batting average. So it might seem silly in the question, but, you know, Emmanuel Rodriguez was someone a lot of people were talking about as like a top 30, top 25 coming into the year. Mano Rodriguez versus Junior Caminero. How does that look to you? That is that is so tough. Uh, right now, I do have Rodriguez about uh, let's see, about looks like about seven eight spots ahead. Rodriguez is closer to twenty. Camarero's around thirty. Um, I'm not overly worried about Rodriguez. Yeah, the care is fifty percent, but I think people are like, oh, he's got a swing and miss issue. He really doesn't. I looked the other uh, yesterday. Uh, he only has a ten point four percent swing and strike rate. That's not bad at all. It's not it's not the there's too much swing and miss. It's that he's way too passive, right and he gets himself into way too many two strike counts, and then so that K rate balloons higher than it probably you know that it should. Like his skills don't suggest he's gonna be you know a guy that gets limited by K rate unless he remains this passive. We've seen it in the past with with other players. You know the one name I always go to, Trent Grisham, or I think at the time he was still Trent Clark. I can't remember when exactly the <laughs> name change happened there, but remember that when he was coming up through the Milwaukee system, it was like, all right, this guy's got you know all the tools, power, speed, you know walk rate super high, but he walked too much was too passive uh too selective and it, and it harmed him until he got more aggressive and obviously he's kind of flailed out since then a little bit but if rodriguez can find that blend of all right you know keep you know hunt out your pitches but attack and when you find a pitch you want to hit be aggressive on it find that perfect you know that blend i think he's gonna be a monster so uh if anybody if anybody in your league is like scared off by this you know 50 percent k rate through i think it's like 34 plate appearances or whatever it is I'd, I'd hop right on trying to try to get some some more stock of him because I think he's still going to be a stud. I kind of actually assume that he is going through exactly what you're saying right now. Like part this is part of what is actually happening is he is going through this this uh, more aggressive 
stage of approach in his um, in his minor league career. He's got the lowest walk percent. I mean, he had a 28% walk percentage last year and very limited, but it was like just under 50 games around 200 plate appearances last year, but he had a higher walk percentage than K percentage. This year, the walk percentage has gone down. The strikeout percentage has gone up. What does that tell you? Well, that definitely shows you a player that is attempting to probably, especially with a lower, uh, not a crazy swinging strike percentage, a player that is trying to be more aggressive. And guess what? It's probably no shock. It's happening at high A. You know, he also did not repeat a level. He has never, he went to complex at 18. He went to A ball in 2022 and he is at high A this year. He's not repeated a level. There is an aggressive change that can happen with a lot of these guys from uh, high A into double A and maybe it's just happening early. So maybe those are some of the words. So I agree with you that he's just like a great buy if anyone's worried about that. But it is interesting. You still have him over Caminero, even though he's the big hot talk. How how do you think that would go if we put a poll out right now? What do you think that would look like? I mean, who would you rather have, Emmanuel Rodriguez or Junior Caminero? I think right now the poll would probably go probably close to two thirds Caminero, just because you know Rodriguez missed the second. If, if Rodriguez did what he did in the second half of last year, as opposed to the first half of last year, before, before missing all that time, I think it would have been, been a little bit different. But I think he's starting to be you know, not forgotten, but you know, it's it's further in the back of people's minds now, and Cameron Arrow's right in the forefront. So, yeah, I, I do think it'd probably be like a two-thirds to one-third split. And and maybe, you know, give it another few, you know, let's talk to me again in mid-May, and if uh, Rodriguez is still checking out too much and Cameron Arrow's doing what he's doing, I can see this this flipping. Uh, I do lean, it's basically a coin flip at this point, but I do lean Rodriguez. But, man, both both these guys are super exciting. You know, um, these are two guys I both I think I was a little too slow on, uh, a little too slow to be like the hyper aggressive. And and my next rank update has a much more hyper uh, junior Caminero uh, aggression on the rank. I mean, Rodriguez has been kind of up there. There's a part of me that, you know, if you really do want to look at like the full fantasy aspect of it, if you want to bring back in the stolen bases, that maybe Caminero is a little bit more valuable. It's not to take away from Amino Rodriguez, he's just, I think he's a great buy right now. I think he's a fantastic buy. Go sell your league mates on his under 200 batting average if you can. Um, but most likely if he's owned in those leagues, it's probably pretty smart people. But like, I mean, if somebody came to you and they offered you Emmanuel Rodriguez for your junior Caminero, you're taking that? Or do you think it's close enough that it's a wash? You're just not going to touch anything. It's pretty much, you know, as, as when people ask me this, I call it, it's a lateral move. I think, you know, if, it, it maybe yeah. if you're, if you're a little, you know, and I don't, you know, always, I don't suggest, you know, targeting prospects due to positions that we know they change all the time and it's risky, but maybe if you were super deep at outfield or you know, in the infield, you see, you know, you want the other position, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much a coin flip for me at this point. I think it's pretty close uh, that I, I want to watch a whole lot more. It's sometime it's sometimes the little hole I have in, in my side of like, I get very hyper-focused on like the Pacific coast league type of stuff. And um, just the West Coast and things that are close to me that these happen to both be uh, prospects on uh, that I never get to see in person, you know, and that kind of holds back. By the way, just for funsies here, here is our boy uh, Chris Clegg showing off some uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez here. And this was let's oh, this look at this the walk off granny. Yeah, the walk off granny. Oh, and look yeah. at that approach, too. One of the things I love is when we're watching, like it's just a very no nonsense, you know, bat right up there. Hands are up. Pitch comes in. There's a small front leg kick. The bat doesn't have a lot of movement. And then just explode. I mean, look at the path of even this dumb pixelated video of like, look, the bat <laughs> is here. And then it's bam, it's down. 
And then you can see he kind of just like helicopters it. You can see how his wrist, he flicks the wrist and there's just pure raw power. He, he's a fascinating dude. And both of these guys are players that, you know, everybody would really want at the end of the day. But it's what side do you pick? What side do you pick? Here's another guy that um, I, I have actually seen a decent amount, but I didn't have a full buy-in. And boy, have things changed. Cole Young with the Seattle Mariners. Cole Young last year in complex and then into a ball when he was here in complex, no power to really speak of. He wasn't striking out. He was hitting the ball. It's not crazy hard to hit the ball here in complex league, you know, just kind of hit across his body. He goes to a ball. He kind of does the exact same thing. There's a little bit more power this year. Cole young looks like he's a different guy. He's got uh, an over 30% hard hit rate, a three, four, five slash. He has a higher walk percentage than K percentage early on. The power isn't quite there yet but he's been tapping into doubles and everything looks a go on him. And he, I mean, the Mariners are just chatting about how great they love his swing and his bat. And he's looking a lot less like just a ground ball hitter and becoming a much better offensive piece that could hit at the top of the lineup. So what say you about Cole Young? Do you think Cole Young is on the rise or do you think there's still just enough worries because he raised his ground ball rate from uh, over two Ground ball to fly ball rate in 2022, that was over two. It's down to one, two, seven this year so far. So, I mean, do you think that these changes of him getting the ball up in the air can make him like a top 50 fantasy asset in the near future? Or do you think we're just still far away? No, I think I think that's possible. And and as you were saying with the previous guys, I think I was a bit slow to kind of hop on board Cole Young. Like you know, even back when, you know, last draft season doing the FYPD rankings and whatnot, I was, you know, a little lower than most. I just, you know, I, it's not that I didn't like Cole Young. I just, I, I wasn't wowed. And, you know, I, but same thing, I was a little lower on Zach Neto. And, you know, I was wrong for that, too. So um, maybe I should learn my lesson and stop ranking these guys lower than I should. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, with, with Cole Young, obviously, he almost feels like a, a younger Zach Neto. You know, he's, he's a few years younger than Zach Neto. Obviously, I the profile. That. huh? Yeah, like the profile yeah, is led. That. Maybe, you know, it's a little less power than, than Neto. But who knows? Maybe Cole Young could get close to. Yeah, I think maybe he's right now. He's probably looking like a fringe average power guy. Maybe he gets to average power, but obviously he's he's pretty advanced for his age. You you know, especially uh, what, is he still only eight? Is he nineteen now? He, uh, he's 19. I think he just turned. No, he's a, he's going to turn twenty in like four months. So he's okay. So, yeah, so know, he's but still nineteen. You know, very advanced for a nineteen year old. One of the more advanced bats in that entire class, to be honest with you. And he adds the speed as well. It's, Seattle's got a pretty solid track record. Um, say what you want about Jared Kelnick, but the, overall Seattle has a pretty solid track record. I think with developing, uh, especially hitting prospects, I, I like the org that he's in. And yeah, if he gets, I think that's the X factor. Obviously, um, I think if he if he can get up to like average power, you know, maybe a guy that we project for like you know fifteen to eighteen home runs or something like that to go along with the hit tool and and the speed that he has. Yeah, I think absolutely he could be top fifty. If not, you know, if he kind of stays as like a fringe average guy, maybe he's more back end top one hundred, but. Uh, he's definitely someone I'm going to keep a very close eye on to see if we start seeing some of those power gains come this year. Um, yeah, because I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, one, he had one double in his professional career in 2022 across two levels. He's already got six. He's already a six so far here. Yeah. Uh, he actually has as many doubles and triples as he does singles so far this year, and he's hitting over 300. So process how that is. My only worry about Cole Young is he ends up being like just a really solid, like, 
super util type of guy, or he's just like a 15, 10, 15, 15 type of guy, but yep. maybe he could hit at the top of the lineup. You know who maybe, you know, who's like sitting around in my brain, maybe he comes like a Josh Rojas type of player. Like that's the oh, yeah. type of player, which is working out relatively well. I, right I was going to think of Nick, Nico Horner too. I was getting a little bit of Nico Horner for him too. Yeah. So if that's like, that's, I think how my approach, how about this Cole young or Edwin Arroyo? Cole Young, I think, is the better pure hitter. But at the same time, I think Arroyo has more power, probably more speed. Maybe you can get the speed as a wash, but then you factor in Great American Ballpark. I think I, I got to go Arroyo. I think he's just a better power. I think he's a better like fantasy player. Cole Young or Nick York? Just gauging <sighs> where you're at. We're gauging where you're at I mean, on Cole Young right now. I know I have York ahead in my rankings right now, but these guys are trending opposite directions. I mean... York is okay. I mean, he's he's the most like okay guy I've ever seen. So, I mean, I guess I have to say York because that's where my rankings say it. But I think this is going to flip flop pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's funny because like Nick York was just a doubles hitter. That's all I've seen him be as a doubles hitter, and the consistency was a little bit lacking. Where it's like Cole Young has made one big step from his first year to his second year. I wonder what this next step looks like. And if you're a high contact hitter and you don't strike out a bunch. That's kind of my recipe for love. And now he yeah. may not. The power may stall out. The guy's gotten bigger. Because when I first saw him, he's like a little kid. You're just like, oh, little guy. Hey, little guy. And then all of a sudden, he's bigger arms. He's He's got a much bigger wingspan now. And his hitting approach is turning into something different. And if that takes another step up, he's going to jet past some of these guys. Uh, Heston Kerstad, Kerstad, who we saw in the Arizona Fall League, 52 on the hard hit metric over on Rotowire, a 700 slug. And I, I thought this was really interesting. He has the most homers from a non AAA player in minor league baseball currently. He is striking the ball. Now he's hitting around 280, but he has looked every bit the part of what we saw in the Arizona Fall League. I boosted him up really high. I don't feel like anybody else really bought it because he's older. He hasn't played at higher competitive levels. He's had injuries, but he's now at the double A. He is 24. He's learning a new position and he's still murdering the ball. Where do you think Heston Kerstad belongs on fantasy rank uh, prospect lists? I think he should be pushing top 50 at this point. And I, and I moved him up. I have him currently this very second 64 uh, in, in my rankings, kind of in a similar range to like, Cam Collier, Bo Naylor, Mauricio, Diego Cortea, some other names in this range. Because, you know, everywhere, and obviously I saw him out in the, uh, the Arizona Fall League when he was out, out in your neck of the woods. And dude was just cranking the ball. He had five home runs out there. Obviously put on an absolute display in the home run derby. And he's just keep, he's so just cranking the ball this year. And then another thing that's pretty impressive, because even when he was dominating out in, out in Arizona, he was striking out a little bit too much. He had 31 Ks and 104 plate appearances. But, only 10 strikeouts so far in 46 plate appearances. So keeping the K rate, you know, under 25%, which is very encouraging to see because when he, when he was drafted, obviously that the power, you know, obviously he had great, uh, you know, power totals at Arkansas and you know, the power. Like, all right, we know that's there, but where is the rest of the offensive profile? Because it doesn't not a guy that's going to give you much speed. So how much average is he going to add to that power? And that's kind of why I ranked him a little bit lower, but he's proved he's kind of coming into his own as you know, showing that he's more than just a guy that can hit the ball a long way and hit, and hit it very hard, as you mentioned, with the hard hit rate. So I think he definitely should be close to top 50. This is a guy that can get, hit you you know, 260-plus with 30-plus home runs and probably hit somewhere near the middle of the lineup and drive in a bunch of runs there for a 
what will probably be a pretty good Baltimore team for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think he definitely needs to be top 50 and probably a guy that we see maybe debut later this year. I'm not sure how much they want to keep pushing him, but yeah, I'm definitely, he, the arrow is firmly upward here. Yeah, and I I think like, it's one of those things where I don't think it's too late to still get in on because one of the things I saw is he got really beat up with like low breaking stuff, which is like a totally con it's like Torkelson's issue, like low breaking stuff after high fastballs. But like he's made the jump from he went from a ball to playing in the AFL to then going to double a and he's improved his walk rate. He's lowered his strikeout rate. He's stopped hitting balls on the ground as much. He's, he's getting balls in the air is at like all time. It's like a ridiculous. It's like forty five percent right now. Home run to fly ball ratio. You know he is adjusting his game at what is not like an easy level. It's not like he repeated high A. Double A is a big deal. So I don't know. I think there's so many exciting prospects, and I think Double A did a lot for a lot of those Orioles guys. And you're seeing the adjustment at AAA right now. Like I think Norby and Westberg and Kowser's batting average has all kind of come down a little bit. So there might be something to maybe that environment. But either way, I think Heston Kerstad, he's had a fantastic start to the year. And I don't feel like he's a guy where we're talking about Junior Caminero or Cole Young. I don't think anyone's talking about Heston. And he's a guy that I think is really jumping up that list. Uh, two more hitters. One of my favorites, and I think this was one um, when I think I was on with you, wasn't I? On the Baseball America, was it with you? Is you, me, and uh, am I dreaming? Yeah. The no, the it Baseball was, America Fantasy Fest. Yeah, uh, it was me. Uh, I think Blessing was supposed to be on there. Blessing, but had he had technical issues. Issue. Yeah, no, who was who was the third person? It was, was you, me, and Jeff. It was supposed to be you, me, and Blessing. Did, I think it was you, me, and Jeff. Right? There's nobody. I thought there was somebody. Somebody else. I feel. I feel bad no. if there's somebody else. It's hard. No, to, no. It was just us two. It was just okay. us two because Blessing was supposed <laughs> to be with us. And the whole point of That's all of right. that is to. We were talking about like our big breakouts and stuff like that. And one of the guys I had brought to the table that I'm really excited about is Dominic Keegan. And Dominic Keegan is destroying baseballs right now. The problem is he's got to get out of this stupid ass level that he's on. He's at low <laughs> A, and he is killing them kids. He's hitting 481. With a 563 OBP, a 704 slug. He's got, I mean, that number's ridiculous. He's got one homer in here. He's hitting the ball left and right, 13 hits in 27 at bats right now. Uh, he's got a double, a triple, a homer. He's walking. He's only striking out a little bit. This guy, I think, is a really, really balanced hitter overall, but he's doing it at a level as a 22 year old that looks really not competitive. So it's like you can't go nuts about it. But Dominic Keegan has been one of the biggest statistical performers if you're looking at it as a whole. He just has got to get out of there. So I'm curious at your take on what you're seeing out of Dominic Keegan so far. Yeah, and it's kind of surprising that he's still at that at low A right now because this is a guy that went to Vanderbilt playing in the SEC, which I'd argue is yeah. at least single A level at, you know, at, at times. And he already had, yeah, it was only eight, was it how many games he played last year? Just 12 games last year, but six were at low A. I'm surprised he's not in high A right now, and, and this guy probably could and should be pushing like double A at this point in time. And yeah, he he kind of flew under the radar because I think too much stock gets put into like where these guys get drafted. And yeah, he was still a fourth round pick, but at the same time, like you know, I think after the first like two or three rounds, people kind of start chicken out a little bit. And and I get it, but at the same time, this is a really good bat. He you know hit at his entire collegiate career, especially that on the last two years. Um, Played very well on the on the Cape in 2021 as well, hitting for average and power, drawing some walks, almost had a 400 OBP on on the Cape, which is a, a wood bat league, and he's just shown nothing to just kind of 
he's not slowing down. Obviously, it's a very small sample size. Again, 12 games last year, eight this year. So we're talking 78 plate appearances, but already has, you know, was eight, nine extra base hits. He's walking a good amount, hitting he's 345, excuse me, 388 in those 20 games. Again, small sample size, but I mean, he's kind of like, you know, not Dalton, and obviously Dalton rushing is the one that people are going crazy for, but I feel like it's a similar situation where, you know, advanced collegiate bat that played in the big conference and just gets a bit undervalued here. He's, yeah, he's a catcher. I get it, but this is a pretty solid bat. And I think I'm even guilty of, of underranking him. So I, something I probably have to look at my rankings after this and, and probably move them up accordingly. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm probably not as high in them as you are Welsh, but I'm definitely a fan. I, I think there's definitely some intrigue there. Yeah. And, and something to watch, which is pretty um, weird about his game at this lower level to see where it's going to go, because and I'm pointing him out as like, this is not a top 150 guy yet. I don't think you're in that territory. He's right. got a really low hard hit percentage, but he's got an almost 60% medium hit percentage, which has also acuted to get a 70% ground ball rate last year in a ball. It's only a 20% right now. So he's completely shaved that in half and he's just line driving balls. So I think he's got to get challenged a little bit more, but he's hitting over 500. He should be a guy that moves up pretty soon in a fun prospect. Last one on the hitters, Chase Medroth with the Boston Red Sox. This is another, this is like an opposite end of when we start to talk about players with big physical presence because he is not a big physical guy, uh, at least. It kind of, it's kind of like a, a chase, um, like our Jet Williams type of thing where we look at Jet Williams and we, you know, look at the size, we focus on that, but you don't look at the numbers. He's got a homer, a stolen base, he's hitting 370, a four, uh, 564 OBP, a 28% walk rate to an only 20% strikeout rate for the five foot nine second baseman, five foot eight, five foot nine, whatever they actually list him at. But there really are some fun offensive skills on how he explodes on the baseball right now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How real do you think the offensive output is for Chase, who hit also four homers and four stolen bases in 19 games in A-ball last year. And he did the same push-up of going from A-ball straight to high A. So he is not repeating levels. He is at high A as a 21-and-a-half-year-old. Do you think this offense is real for Chase, Midroth? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a lot to be kind of impressed about with Chase Midroth so far. And and um, Chris Clegg saw him recently down there in Greenville and had very positive things to say about him, especially, you know, his quality of his, his bats, bat to ball skills, and using the entire field. You know, even though he did have, you know, like you mentioned the four home runs and four steals last year and 19 games or whatever it was, I still questioned, like, where does that power 
and speed get to. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, probably plus hit tool guy, great approach as well, get 280 plus if he's given, you know, a, a full-time role here. But at this point, I'm still not sure he's more than like, you know, low double digit, you know, like the 10 to 15 range for both home runs and steals. And, you know, obviously that that could, you could add a little bit more power. I think there's a little bit of projection in the frame, not a ton, but I definitely, this is a guy that will probably fly up quickly. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, looking at Weedroth last year and then how he started this year, you know, why is there a big gap between him and Nick York in prospect rankings? Mm. Obviously, New York you know, was I, I was higher. actually going to ask Rafael. I was going to say, how different do you think, like from a value perspective? But York is an interesting one too. Like, do, do you think there should be a gap between either of those two guys and Midroth? I, I think between Rafaela is that I think Rafaela the power, speed, and the, how his profile will fit Fenway. I've seen a, a lot of Rafaela. And yeah, there's a bit a bit too much chase uh, in, in the profile, too much swing and miss. But I think he'll still hit like 250 plus at, in Fenway with potential to go, you know, 15 plus home runs and, and 20 plus steals. But you look at a guy like York, who doesn't, he kind of similar, like, all right, good hit tool. Power speed is like, all right, not great, but not terrible either. But he's he was drafted higher. He's obviously at a higher level, been doing this a little bit longer than, so has a longer track record than Midroth. But at the same time, I feel like they're very similar profiles. So, you know, I, I think I didn't, I don't know if that's saying more about York or Midroth, maybe both. I don't know. But uh, is, is York's kind of been, you know, tickling down a little bit in my rankings. But yeah, I think Midroth is a very, you're not going to run out to your waiver wire to grab him right now, but you have a deeper, you know, 250 plus prospects rostered in your league. I think he's a guy to definitely take a flyer on because I think there's a, a fairly, you know, safe, there's this element of safeness with him due to that hit tool and approach. And, if he starts getting to, you know, a little more power, you know, then he's a guy that could really shoot up rankings. You know, I think I agree with you on that too. Like, I don't think he's, he's in the same territory. He probably is closer to Dominic Keegan than he is Cole Young in, in like a valuation standpoint, but he's yeah. someone to continuously keep an eye on. It is a smaller frame, but it is, you know, again, maybe more in the likes of like a, of a Jet Williams where there is power speed combo for someone that doesn't strike out a bunch has hit 300 at every single level and at least has no. I, I guess it's fair to say he has never struck out more than he walks in his professional career, which is not a crazy amount. It's like a thirty-something games, but it is across three different levels so far, and that's pretty impressive. So I'm always a bet on guys that you know don't take away from their game with crazy strikeout percentages and can get on base and show offensive upside on both sides. I mean, if anything, Midroff might have more power potential than Cole Young. We'll have to see. Maybe, we'll have yeah. to see how that plays out. And those have been some of the big hitters. Do you think there's any hitter, by the way, um, over the last week or two that you've just been insanely impressed with before we move on to some pitchers? Uh, no, I think you hit them all on the head. Obviously, it's such a small sample size. That, you know, and I think uh, Chris Clegg tweeted about this earlier, but it's hard to like go super crazy over hitters early on. You pitchers, don't you see, you know, three, four, you know, starts, you can get a better idea of some of these guys. But uh, well, actually, uh, one actually I, I do want to mention, uh, I was kind of glossing that over my, my list here, Jonathan Classe has been going kind of bonkers. Power speed blend with him. And I think he's another one where it's like, all right, you know, he's showing a decent hit tool. He's shown obviously he has the speed. And he had, he had a game the other night with two home runs and three steals in one game. That is phenomenal, obviously. And I think if he can get to more power, like, this is another guy, like every year, Seattle has one or two guys that just shoot up rankings. Like I think, you know, Gabriel Gonzalez and Class A are the two kind of prime, you know, potential guys that could do that this year out of that system. So 
I think Glasse is pretty undervalued right now for, and I think he should be maybe even pushing top 100 pretty soon. So he's another guy that, you know, power comes along, watch out. Yeah. There's kind of a Mariners tax. Like I actually think I like personally think Gabriel Gonzalez did this last year, but this yeah. year it's kind of Cole Young and class a, and then in the wings, you're still sitting at like Axel Sanchez and Michael yep. Arroyo. And uh, you know, if, if Lazaro doesn't strike out more than 30% of the time and actually starts hitting some, that's a guy that could hit, <laughs> could hit 40 bombs easy. If you were a high right. contact guy, they just, have a stupid system of guys that borderline between really interesting and majorly impactful. And Class A, to your point, Class A might be moving into that territory. Pretty good defender, too. I was watching him uh, just today, actually, on an early game. Over on the pitching side, Madison Bumgarner is gone from the <laughs> Diamondbacks. I couldn't be happier. It's very frustrating. And I'm not a like dance on the grave type of person. But Madison Bumgarner also doesn't have any redeeming factors. He's not like a pleasant person and um, always starting fights. And I don't think he's a very good teammate. And just the whole thing has been an absolute disaster. I don't know. A better pitcher in their mind would probably have offered to go to the bullpen. And how much you want to bet that the Diamondbacks maybe had a slight conversation like, you're probably not going to the bullpen, right? And he probably flipped them the middle finger and said no. So they designated him. That's not the point, though. This brings a lot of attention on Brandon Fott. And Brandon Fott did not get, of course, the initial call. They're going to Tommy Henry first. I don't think that's going to be a long-term thing. They got to get Fott on the 40-man and get him going. He's actually going to be starting. We're recording this. He's starting in an hour and a half. So probably negate anything we talk about if he gets blown up. But this is his opportunity to kind of shine tonight, and that's going to set his stage moving forward. But the point of this conversation, he's had three starts. He's got an 11.5K per nine. His walk per nine is on par with what it was last year. His homers are always the problem, and his ERA has been a little bit inflated. But he's had, I've watched all his games. He's had some bad calls. Um, he's had really early success. And I and I personally, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk to Eno about this on Rates and Barrels this coming week. I really want to get his take on this. I wonder if he gets a little unfairly judged by some of the systems, because something that you'll notice, uh, Stuff Plus, doesn't really favor Brandon Fott. Um, favors a lot of other guys. Brandon Fott down in like the under 100s on the stuff plus, which is also just maybe about his pitches in general. But an interesting factor I saw was in the pitches per appearance, nobody had more played appearance, more um, innings or more pitches thrown on the stuff plus marker than Brandon Fott. The only other person that was close was Robert Gasser. They both had 87 per game, where the guys that are in the like 110, 115 stuff plus, Eric, are like, 50 pitches, 55 pitches. So there's something to be equated to like going later in the game and your stuff kind of tapering down a little bit, maybe is muting it. But that's me getting into the weeds about it. Brandon fought three pitches he utilizes with a fourth that's in there, high strikeouts, walk problems. Do you think Brandon fought with what we've seen and how this has been treated is still one of the top premier pitching prospects in baseball, or do you think he's going to get exposed when this major league debut comes up here shortly? I think he, I'm more leaning towards the, the former there. I think he is one of the, you know, I'd say he's probably back in top 10 pitching prospect in the game right now. And a guy that is the more I watch him, the more I'm impressed. Like obviously you mentioned that the three really good pitches, fastball slider change up, obviously commands them all very, very well. And I'm not like overly worried about the, the home run issue. Obviously, AAA, you know, hitters, hitters league, hitters park. I'm not. Yeah, is is it? I'm not like ignoring it, but at the same time, I think it is 
you know, probably a bit higher than it should be just given the, the environment he's pitching in. But man, he, he's a guy that last year was one of those guys in, in AAA where you know, obviously there's always like those one or two guys every year that are like way ahead of everyone else in ERA. And, and that was him. And obviously all, all the strikeouts he had because he has almost like a, a Bieber-esque feel to him at times where it's like the good stuff, but also commands it very well. Even if the, the fastball doesn't blow you away, even though there's you know, solid velocity on his fastball, but you know, commands it very well, can locate it to all quadrants. Sequence as well, you know, mixes in the, the secondaries well to offset the fastball to keep the hitters guessing. So a lot of good qualities with with like he's a, he's a pitcher. Like he's definitely a pitcher, not a thrower. He's a pitcher. Love seeing that. And yeah, I think he's a. And I I would love to see him up right now. Obviously, like I I kind of put out a tweet poking fun at the uh, Diamondbacks earlier today, where it's like. No, we thought he'd be up in spring training, and then, yeah. then no, and then Davies hits the IL. Nope, still not him. Now Mad Bum's DFA'd up, still not him. And they're going to every other. You know, at this point, Bryce Jarvis would be called up before Brendan fought. I'm, I get it. <laughs> I hope not. But let's but yeah, hope no. not. Yeah, don't but put the, that evil on out there. Right, but, but yeah, to your point. Yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, I, I think he's a, a very good, you know, top ten pitching prospect that you know could be. You know, not front, not front line, but maybe he's like a, a nice solid SP2 or something like that. I think there's a lot of lot to like here. All right, this may have answered that, but Brandon Fodder, Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams is sub one ERA in two starts in double A. His whip is under one, 12 strikeouts over nine innings. He has looked every bit of awesome, big bodied guy. Definitely a, th- uh, a pitcher, not like a thrower necessarily, but Gavin Williams or Brandon Fodder? I, I go Williams, and I think Williams is in my in my top five pitching prospects. You know, the only ones I think he's absolutely behind are for me Rodriguez, uh, Tiedemann, and I still have Painter ahead, even given the injury. Yeah, you know, I think Williams is closer to Yuri Perez than people want. You know, think I, I think there's not a huge gap there between the two, and I think Williams definitely. You know, he's a guy that I don't like throwing around that you know, the front line, the ace tags very often, but I think he's a guy that could be. A frontline guy. We, we've seen him miss bats at a high clip. You know, limits limits the damage done to him. Doesn't you know walk too many guys either. Obviously, in the Cleveland pitching factory organization there as well. So I love both these guys. But yeah, I am very high in Gavin Williams. Okay, so this is going to be. It's not quite a merry you know look kill, but it's kind of these three: Brandon Fott, Gavin Stone, who's also struggled and has been even incredibly worse on the stuff plus meter, or at least worse than Brandon fought on the stuff plus metric and has had a rough go. And Tanner Bybee, who has been oh. awesome on the stuff plus and, and early location stuff, which I know you can't mark. He's been great. And he looks like he's a call away. So rank fought stone and Bybee. If you can, your hand, Eric's hand is on his head and he is shaking. <laughs> well, you, th- you threw me a curveball. I thought, I thought the third one was going to be, Gavin Williams. So I was like, all right, I have my answer. Then you, you throw a curveball and go Bybee. Man, so so we got what? So Fott, Stone, and Bybee. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, dude, that is, I it's think hard. Look, it's really hard because you have proxy. They're all kind of proximity ish guys, though, you could throw out right. there. Though I think Stone is the furthest away. Uh, but that might, you know, I say that. I said the same thing about like, oh, yeah, Tosh Bradley is not going to be coming up. <laughs> Mason Miller's not going to come up. He only has 30 innings. And then that comes up. But they're all kind of proximity guys. So what do you do? I mean, I think I'm going to go Fought, mm-hmm. Bybee, Stone. Again, they're all very close. I think they're all maybe back-to-back. Not sure. Ivis Bino and Tink Hens right in this cluster as well, and Bobby Miller too. But I almost asked you Tink Hens or Fought too, but this this worked out perfect. 
I, I would say five. I think he's a little bit safer, though. Hence, that's an immense upside. But the reason why, and that's nothing against Gavin Stone, but I feel just a little safer with Fa and Bybee. I think they've shown you know better command of their arsenals. You know, there's all these guys. The upside is very similar with all these guys, but I, I feel a little bit safer with with Fa and with Bybee. Even though, again, I think I look at my rankings right now. I have fought 65 overall, Bybee 73, and Stone 78. So, again, okay. very, very, very close cluster uh, with these guys. But And I promise yeah. I'm not looking at uh, Eric's ranks or anything. I can't see them. I can't see any of those ranks, so I didn't know what those guys were, so that's good. Uh, all right, it's a good tier. I mean, Bybee has, is such a pitcher pitcher. He's the most quintessential Guardians pitcher, too. And just for everybody, you know, he has been over 100 on all three of uh, Eno's pitching metrics and he looks great. He's also had some bad calls in AAA. He can paint the corners, good spin numbers. Tanner Bybee is an absolute buy, but it is still always will be fought over him for me, but we'll see. We'll see how that all goes. Uh, A couple other pitchers in here. This one has been the most fun of all of the pitchers in the land. If anyone's been paying attention and I got to see him pitch one game, it was the coldest damn day on the backfields. (laughs) No one was out there. It was, I mean, it was piercing cold and the guy, every single guy had like hoodies on. So it was really hard to tell like who was who, but this guy had to take it, take that off, show their Jersey and pitch. And it was Andrew Abbott who was slicing and dicing up the hitters he was facing. And that is all he has been doing in the minors with absurd numbers. He has an insane 20 K per nine. And I think it was a tweet from you. He actually, his K percentage got lowered after (laughs) striking out like another 11 down to 64%. He, there's no pitcher that has been more dominant than Andrew Abbott so far. A one seven, two walk per nine. He's given up. uh, This is a crazy number too. He has a one, one ERA. He has an X FIP that is lower 0.42. 0.42. I don't know if I've seen that before. It's very early, early starts, only three. But let you know, give it to me. Talk to me about Andrew Abbott, this insane start. He doesn't belong at double A anymore, but where does he belong on a ranks list in your mind? Yeah, it's funny. I don't know why he's back at double A. And yeah, he had a four seven five ERA there last year, but with a high K rate as well. But he he had 20 starts there as a 23-year-old. So I'm surprised he's still down there. He probably won't be for long. So if you're in the uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee area, I'd recommend going to see him now before he goes up to AAA, but yeah, I moved him. He's very close to top 100 right now, and I think he's in that, if you're looking at like the, the tiers of pitching prospects, that tier we were just talking about with, with the Bybees and the Stones and all them, I don't think he's there quite yet, though I think he could. I think he's in that next tier uh, with the guys, uh, who else would be in that range? Like uh, Bryce Miller, uh, maybe, you know, Jackson Job, you know, Owen White. Where does Mason Miller, I didn't ask you this, where does Mason Miller sit in all of this mess? Because, like, th- there's, I've I think it's it's great. It's I mean he is breaking stuff plus numbers across the board and his velocity is but man, there is a lot of back patent about Mason Miller right now. And all of a sudden he looks like everybody's top five overall SP when it's never been that case. Where does Mason Miller sit in that whole little group, by the way? Yeah, so I recently obviously gave him a big bump. He's now sitting ninety-two for me, which is he's actually the next pitcher. Uh, behind Gavin Stone, there's a 15, you know, overall rank okay. difference there. But so he's probably like my um, just eyeballing it. SP. We're in the same range. I, I just like wanted to 13, see. 14 range or so. Okay. You and I are in the same general vicinity with Mason Miller. Okay. Gotcha. All right. I didn't mean to de- backtrack you on Andrew, <laughs> but I want you to continue. But I was curious at like, where did Miller fit? I mean, Miller actually sounds like he might be closer to Abbott to you. 
yeah, I, I think they're, they're pretty pretty close. I, I gave Miller the the bigger bump, and he's a little bit ahead just because he's you know up in the major leagues now. After he only faced like fifty batters in the minor leagues, which is crazy. You know, him, how quickly him and, and Neto got to the major leagues is insane. But yeah, yeah, Andrew Abbott. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that tweet. That was are bringing up too. Like he had a 71 percent K rate going into that game. He had struck out 25 of the 35 batters he faced in his first two starts, and then he only struck out 11. Of the 21 batters he faced, so you know, a little over 50%. So I dropped this key right down to still like 64 point whatever percent, which is insane. He has three starts, 11, 14, 11 Ks. And I mean, I think he's one because he's a little older again. He's 24 in double A. You look at you know, age to level and all that. And he was 23 uh, in high A uh, last year at the start of the year. So he's always been a bit older. And these guys just get devalued. You know, both hitters and pitchers get devalued because, because of it. And you know, I think that creates pretty good buying opportunities, especially when you look, look at the player. And he only can pitch where he's assigned to. It's not like he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to AAA. You know, he, obviously he has a pitch where they tell him to pitch. So he's just doing what he can. And that's to strike out everybody and anybody. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Obviously, it's easy to say with the, the struggles of this at this other arm. Um, but another, you know, high strikeout lefty. I, can you see a future where we're ranking Abbott ahead of a guy like Kyle Harrison? I think it could get pretty damn. Oh, cool. that's Keep really going. interesting. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Harris has had like a horrid start to the year. Uh, he was much better in his last start, which was up against Fott, and he just didn't strike out anybody though. He stopped. He kind of like it's so weird, and I you can see on the fly the adjustments happening with Kyle Harris Harrison because that first two starts, you know, he was just trying to pump fastballs, which helped the stuff plus numbers come up, and trying to get strikeouts. And then this one, it looked like he was just. You know, he was a lot more effective, but he wasn't striking out anybody. So he's just readjusting his arsenal. I could see a scenario. I want to see Abbott get challenged more. I watched the not the most recent one. I think it was the 14 strikeout one. I went back and watched that whole start and he pumped a lot of high fastballs past what maybe these double A kids weren't ready for, you know, his pitch combo and him being able to not just like high fastballs, like way up in the zone and guys swinging through, but he was painting high corners. So, I mean, like the way he was able to approach um, the zone was really impressive and they just weren't able to pick up what was happening. And he was just pumping these high fastballs right up in the upper edges uh, left and right. So, I mean, he's got a really good feel for that, that I want to see what that does when it gets a little higher level. So like to answer your question, like, sure, I think it's possible. I think Kyle Harris Harrison is dealing with some stuff. There's some regression type of thing. So I think he's kind of a buy and then that stuff might, the stuff is there right now that Abbott is showing and his arsenal looks like it is absolutely real. Uh, well, I'm trying to think, is it uh, now I'm completely forgetting. Was it the change up? Was it a slider or a change up that he was throwing? That was really effective. It's completely evaded me, but the fastball was the one that he was getting a ton off of. So I could see it getting there. But what I think that says though, is that says Andrew Abbott, having the upside of like maybe a top 35, 40 overall player. I mean, do you believe that is possible? Yeah, I, I think he could definitely get there. Yeah, I, I had Harrison there at one point. He said, you know, he slid a little bit. Uh, Harrison still, he's in, he's in the 55 range for me now as my SP. I think that's SP8 pitching prospect. But yeah, I, I think Abbott could definitely flirt with, with top 50 and, and get into that, that second tier for sure, especially if he keeps showing like, the, you know, obviously the really good slider and, Obviously, with him being a yeah, red, was the having, slider I was thinking of. I mean, yeah. Looking back here, it was the slider that I was thinking of that he was pumping. Yeah, and obviously that's going to be huge for him. Though, obviously, to miss bats and you know not give up too many home runs. We've seen that you know hurt uh, Hunter Green. And that's why Nickel Dolo has been so successful. Is he been in addition to missing bats, the higher ground ball, right? That's the method for success, the recipe for success in the Great American Ballpark. I think Abbott can 
can be that type of guy. So, um, yeah, I, I think he definitely get, get up there. A couple other pitching performances. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann making his full way back. You want to talk about crazy strikeout numbers like Andrew Abbott. How about one of my favorite pitchers, maybe my favorite pitcher in all of minor league baseball, Ricky Tiedemann has only pitched six and two thirds to through two, what are kind of semi rehabby type of starts. He's been on pitch counts and he has a 20 K per nine. He has 15 strikeouts in that. It got a little bit messy in his last start, which also, by the way, Jason Dominguez walked and then stole first and then stole, uh, I'm sorry, stole second and then stole third immediately on Tiedemann against a lefty, which I thought was wild uh, to see. So hopefully Tiedemann's something he's going to work on. He started throwing over a little bit more. He's, but, you know, he got hit up a little bit. And I think he gave up like three straight hits. He gave up an earned run, but he has been every bit phenomenal. And he looks like an ace that could pitch in the major leagues right now. Uh, I'm just curious if you've watched any of Ricky Tiedemann so far. And do you think like comparing him to Yuri Perez, kind of going back to that debate we had a couple months back? Yeah. So I, I was at Tiedemann's double A debut along with Jeff Ponce. Uh, we, we always kind of meet up and up in there in New Hampshire a few times a year, but it was Tiedemann versus Kyle Harrison. And that, and they both only went through about, I think one went three and one went four innings. I forget which was which, but Tiedemann, I don't think it's actually close between him and Yuri Perez. And that's not, not a knock against Yuri. That is absolutely just a, a full on endorsement of Tiedemann, where I think, you know, once Rodriguez graduates pretty soon here in the next month or so, whatever it's going to be, Tiedemann is going to be the number one pitching project in baseball. You know, obviously, Painter and the health will kind of factor into that, but Tiedemann is. He's three above average to plus pitches, really good slider, really good changeup. You know, I see some people kind of poo-poo the mechanics. And yeah, it's not like the cleanest, smoothest deliveries. It's a little extra, but he mm-hmm. repeats it fairly well from what I've seen. I don't see a, that being a hindrance to him. He, you know, the walk rate, you know, I think was around nine, nine and a half percent last year, but he is very poised, I think very advanced for his age. I don't see the walk rate being an issue. I think he's a good command guy of all three of those offerings. I saw him in that outing and I, you know, followed that up with other video analysis and other starts last year and this year where he can, he can land all his pitches for strikes or bury them outside of the zone uh, to get the swing and miss. You know, he, he can look at the fastball to all quadrants. He goes up with it, then goes down with it with a changeup. It's, I love how this guy pitches and I am all in on TD. And I, I've had him ahead of Yuri for, I'd have to go back and look to see when I moved him ahead. I, I did have Yuri ahead at one point in time, but I think Tiedemann is, like, I'm not, not a knock on Yuri. He's still a top five pitching prospect, obviously. But I think Tiedemann is, is I think, a next tier up from Yuri. And that might you, be a hot take, but I, I believe it. No, well, I mean, the tiers, I mean, that's a new take. But, I mean, I've been with you. you know, I've been Tiedemann over, and that, you know, seemed like it was a bigger stretch for a lot of people. But, you know, not to gloss over. I don't want to spend too much time because I'm already taking up so much of your time. we got two more pitchers. But you kind of glossed over, like, ah, uh, Andrew Painter injuries considered. Well, what happens if Andrew Painter's back? I mean, that injury is going to loom. If he has Tommy John, I think it like tells you what it is going to be, but like, what if he just kind of recovers and he gets back, but you always have that in the back of your head. What do you, I mean, where do you think you're going to be? Where do you think you're going to be with uh, uh Tiedemann versus painter? I would have, I would have painter. I think, I think he's a little better, but I think it's going to be close. Like I, I think let's say that scenario happens. He doesn't need, you know, Tommy John and he's, and he's back, you know, let's say June or something. I think at that point in time, that's tier one. We're assuming Rodriguez is graduated by that point in time. I think that's tier one. I think it's Painter and then slight drop down to Tiedemann and then the drops down to, you know, the, that next tier of the Gavin Williams and, and the Yuri Perez's and all of them. But yeah, I, I think Tiedemann absolutely is, is going to be pretty close to Painter long term. All right. This is one you would not have expected, uh, especially with the uh, all of the I mean, everything I've talked about and everything everybody's seen. Kumar Rocker has been great. 
to start the year. There's a caveat, but he has been great. Has not given up an earned run. Has a 13 plus K per nine. Only a one walk per nine. And uh, 41% K percentage. And it's, a, it's if I'm being technical, a 3.4% walk percentage. But he's doing it at high A. So this is not the same aggressive approach that was given to Jack Leiter. He's a 23-year-old with all the college experience, so he was a disaster for the last six months, and he's doing it at high A. So he doesn't belong at this level, but he is absolutely dominating at this level. So what do you make of Kumar Rocker and all the mess that has been where it isn't now? Yeah, Kumar has always been super intriguing to me, obviously. Obviously, was on the he was the most, you know, uh dominant pitcher in college and was always in the spotlight, you know, just being who he was and being, you know, pitching at Vanderbilt, obviously. But at the same time, like I, I always wondered like what what's his future role? Like obviously we know the stuff is really good. The fastball, slider especially. Like, was he a starter? Was he a reliever? I, I had those questions and you know, kind of similar to what I have with Jack Leiter, but you know, obviously it's you know, a small sample size alert. We always gotta put that caveat out there when we're when we're talking, you know, third week of April here, but He's looked really good in just the command department. Obviously, we we knew he could miss bats, but I'm just impressed in how in, in these these two outings, how he's located his pitches when he has the one walk and in eight innings so far. So if he's able to kind of keep that up moving forward here and show that he's you know not going to be a guy that's limited by too many free passes and 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 mislocation, I think absolutely like the upside is huge with him. And that's why you know it's funny. I, so I want to ask you this question now. Well, should I put out this poll? Uh, what, how long ago? About a little under a week ago, I said which Texas Rangers pitching prospect will have the best major league career, and I put you know the big four names. I put Rocker and Lighter along with Owen White and Brock Porter, and and Kumar Rocker won the poll with about thirty two percent. Then it was Lighter, then White, and then Porter. Really? I think people are, I think people are sleeping on White, but that's a topic for another day. But so I think people are still very much in on Rocker, and I think you, this is gonna be a guy that. Because of the name, because of how long he's been in the spotlight, even with you know kind of the weird path he's taken to get to where he is now, where if he has a few more of these starts, you can see people putting him like top 100 again. I'm, I won't go that quickly to put him up there, but obviously the upside is there for him to get up there at some point. And I think this the one thing I'll be looking for, the X factor is, can he continue to limit the walks? So if he can, I think he'll get there eventually. Yeah, I would love to see some more advanced numbers on it too, because his problem was never a slider. That was the thing I kept telling everybody about. Like when he found confidence in in like later innings of a start and he would throw his slider in early counts or he would throw it to, I guess it would be like lefties. Um, then or maybe it was righties, like then he found success, but he just kept trying to go the fastball and he couldn't command the damn fastball. So if he's commanding the fastball again, it's a game changer yep. because his slider is plus and he can lead with that pitch and then set off with the fastball. And if that changeup ever really does develop, he could be a starter. I wonder if people also voted on that, assuming maybe he could become a closer at some point, you know, because Possibly, if he yeah. could, if he could find, even if he doesn't develop a changeup, if he could find the command of the fastball and he pops off with that slider he could be an elite closer so um yeah i'm a little bit indifferent about it i want to see more i try not to read too much like i think this is good this is good he's yep. dominating these guys that are probably four years younger than him <laughs> and it's not like washy numbers so that's a good start he's got to get up to double a and double a i think is going to be key to me if he's doing this again and the walk numbers don't go crazy and he's still striking out guys he can give up some runs uh, but he continues this. Then I think it's time that we talk 
about the move up. But if someone wants to buy, you can maybe uh, you can maybe buy now. The last one has actually been kind of a personal favorite of mine in what he's done so far this year. And I want to get your take. Frank Mazzucato with the Kansas City Royals. So much about the major league adjustments they've had in their pitching. Well, Frank Mazzucato currently has a 47% K percentage. He's got a very high walk percentage, which is a problem, uh, 14%, but a 20.5 swinging strike rate early on. He has held batters to a 111 batting average, and he is one of only two 20-year-old pitchers to have an XFIP of 2.55 or lower in the minor leagues right now. So Frank Mazzucato, a little bit walky, but the strikeouts are coming. Famously was a high school uh, no-hitter. I think he had the multiple back-to-back like no-hitters or whatever. Mazzucato, game seems to be changing, and not only is he getting Ks, He's getting swinging strikes right now. So what do you think about Mazzucato? And hey, maybe Frank Mazzucato versus Kumar Rocker right now. Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah, Mazzucato's always been intriguing, obviously being the kind of surprising top 10 overall pick a couple years ago. You know, you, know, you and I both saw him in long, along with others. Like, you know, who else? Uh, Clegg, Blessing. You mean Eno? Eno was out there. Yeah, a bunch of people were at, at the Eno couldn't stop about Kaderna. He's like, I don't really like Mazzucato. He's like, I love Kaderna, just big power that. fastball slider. Because Mazzucato was doing a lot of uh, his curveball, and he wasn't hitting it early on and stuff like that. Yeah, but, you know, obviously the breaker's really good with Mazzucato, and he's flashed uh, inconsistently, but he has flashed a, a pretty solid changeup. So maybe that has the makings of another impact offering. But you know, it was always, you know, I was always wondering, obviously very slight frame, kind of like Chris Sale-esque at the time. Which I was not out of the world because he was 18 at the time when we saw him, but wondering how much you know could he add bulk, add velocity? He has. Yeah, I can he, tell you yeah, actually. But yeah, maybe you saw. I like literally yeah. saw him in person uh, a couple months back, and I was it was noticeable how this wasn't like skinny rail kid anymore. Yep. He had actual shoulder muscles, and that had changed. Sorry, I didn't mean to like cut in. No, there, no, I, I, absolutely. But that was what I was looking for. I'm like, all right, can this guy put on the bulk, get the get a couple of ticks more on the fastball? You know, because he had like the makings of the fastball. Like, there was, you know, command wasn't quite there, obviously, but 18 years old, not out of out of the ordinary. But it was decent shape to it. And then if he can start getting up, you know, instead of going 91, 92, get up to like 93, 94, 95. And we're starting to see that that Vila tick up a little bit. As you mentioned, you know, the bulk is already noticeable that he's added over the last year and a half or so. Yeah, I, I think he's making strides with the command. And, you know, there's the pieces are here to have, uh, Maybe I don't know if he'll be top 100 prospect at some point, but maybe I don't know. Like I won't completely rule that out. Like he has the upside, and I said the the pieces are all there if he can put them together. Uh, Right now, I I do lean Rocker as of now, but I can see a future where I'm ranking Mazzucato ahead. I think there's a lot of X factors here, and you know uh, that we've talked about in the last five ten minutes. So I think they'll determine which one of these guys falls higher in my ranks as we move on throughout the season, but. I'm definitely, and I, I liked Mazzucato back then when I saw him. I like Kaderna as well, even though he hasn't quite uh, done as well as I thought he was going to so far. But yeah, Mazzucato is definitely a, a great buy right now, for sure. Yeah, I've got Kamar a little bit higher as well, but I'm really going to watch how this continues with Mazzucato yep. and the, the strikeout rate and the walk rate. That's kind of the big thing. I, the swinging yep. strike rate really gets me kind of going for Mazzucato. This is like a really good thing. But if he can lower the walks, it's going to be a big piece. And it's kind of like a big thing with all these pitchers. But there you go. Some hot, hot prospect names in the game. And Eric Cross, you've always got it for us. Uh, Eric Cross, 04 on Twitter. You can find Eric Cross over at FTN, over at Rotoballer, and of course, over at Toolshed. What do you got going on? What do you got to plug? Anything uh, coming down anytime soon? Yeah, a lot of stuff. I'm doing basically, as you as you know, the grind. We're doing stuff every day. And uh, you know, 
updated rankings coming out. I already got my updated dynasty and prospect rankings over on my Patreon. OBP rankings for both of those will be out in the next week, week and a half or so, probably by the end of end of April. I'm doing two articles a week over on FTN. Uh, one article coming out on Sunday, just ranking the top 100 pitchers for the upcoming week. Then another one, like a rotating dynasty-focused article. And that Rotoballer top prospects to stash come out every Monday. And then I do, it's a dynasty, kind of like a, almost like a mining the news type of thing from Jeff Zimmerman, but more dynasty-focused that comes out every uh, Thursday. And I had one out today as well. So, yeah, the, obviously the Toolshed Podcast twice a week with, with Chris Clegg. We're, you know, it's a fun time of year. Season's in full swing, and you know, baseball's back, baby. Rolling, baby, rolling. We'll keep up the great work. Eric Cross, follow him on the Twitters, listen and read all the stuff. Eric, thanks so much for taking time for me. And you know, buddy, I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. And that, my friends, will do it. Thank you so much to Eric. Go and make sure you follow him if you're already not. Go check out the podcast. If you don't, I imagine you do. A lot of crossover kind of in that world, no pun intended. But it's good talking about all of those guys and kind of getting some of the perspective and, you know, funny going through some of the video watching, which is I'm always torn about, like, putting the interview-based episodes maybe back on YouTube, maybe start doing that again. I may, because you heard me, you know, go watching some of the video. And I don't know if that would, you know, care about, like, you know, when we watch players and break some of that stuff down. Maybe something we'll do. But uh, thanks to Eric, and hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. This episode also brought to you by Sid's Graphs. Go and check them out today, sidsgraphs.com. You can find them on the eBay or in the social medias. As Dennis is doing signings, I think, as I'm recording this, I think there are signings going on. Manuel Rodriguez, who we talked about in this episode, is one of those, and tons and tons more. Just recently did a Drew Gilbert, and uh, him and I were speaking. I think he's got some hopefully planned in the near future over the next month, maybe coming back out here to Phoenix. So I might slicky sly into another one uh, if a couple of these get locked down. So go and check him out today. Whether it is helmets, jerseys, bats, balls, or cards, he has got all of them and stuff you can't get anywhere else. And I want to thank him. He's also sponsoring uh, with his very custom Corbin Carroll helmet that he's doing for Fantasy Pros for our home run contest that I hope to be there where it's going to be Corbin Carroll um, in, you know, putting in the uh, inscription of Fantasy Pros home run champion and autographing the full helmet. That's going to be really cool. So uh, that is thanks to Dennis. And you can go and get stuff like that at his website. Go and check it out today, sidsgraphs.com. You guys know you can follow me on Twitter at is it the Welsh. I will be out watching MILB games on the uh, on MILB.tv. Hopefully hitting a few more of the extended spring training. That's what we're in out here. It's kind of a dead zone for me because, you know, we have like there's a few international guys. Like Ethan Solace is still here playing in extended spring training games. Feldman Selston is here. He's not playing in games as far as I've seen, but he is here. And there's like a few others, but... I do have the schedules, but it, you know it's kind of here and there. It, it's just not the best time because we're not flooded. Where you know when you go to the games right now, it is very hyper focused on like one or two guys. It is better when you get to complex because it's a little bit more competitive. Sometimes you get the draft guys, and it is nicer to go when you have a few more guys. But I do plan to get a few more extended, and hopefully I will share stuff with you guys. I think uh, Osue de la Pala might be another one of those that. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, a good Padres-Dodger game would be a fun one to go to uh, because then I could uh, kill two birds with one stone, uh, figuratively, if you know what I mean. But there's a few guys. Hopefully they'll get that, but still sharing all that information, watching games, sharing out tweets as things go, and we will keep going. So make sure to follow me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. 
and subscribe to the podcast. It's pretty easy. You can rate review it if you're on iTunes and that's your thing. I don't know if other places do, but we're on all the platforms. So make sure you subscribe and download the episodes. You can't get on the Patreon. That's a great way to help. It's just make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, interact, you know, share stuff when you can. That's an awesome way to do it. I know not everybody can support, which I totally understand, but if you can, great in this league.com sign up get access to the prospect list and everything else otherwise just you know listen to the podcast do the stuff share it occasionally be awesome thank you guys so much for hanging out and listening hopefully you enjoyed the episode and i will talk to you next time right here on prospect one okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.